Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title. Has there ever been a better time for Irish athletics? More involvement than ever before might equate into more interest in our elite athletes than ever before. But can you actually name the biggest stars of Irish athletics right now? Well, today, an Irishman running abroad, former world champion, Olympic silver medalist, my coach and yours, Sonia O'Sullivan, will provide the full rundown of who to watch out for this season. Who is coming up fast from the back of the pack? Who's the new superstar in the making? Who will be knocking on the door of the top three at the big meets? And most of all, who do we really need to support when they're traveling around the international circuit trying to make it to where Sonia went in the 1990s? Well, for the last one, Sonia, I think the answer is all of them. We, we really need to get behind and support our athletes, right? Oh, well, you always do, yeah. But it's, I suppose the thing is there's so much going on this year that people will have so much to follow and support. But it, I think... It, the athletes are going to have to make some smart decisions this year as well mm. because there's the world championships are on in Eugene, Oregon in July and the European championships are on in um, Munich in August. And I think there could be a little bit of FOMO going on here and athletes will fear of missing out of going to Eugene. But if you were really smart, you might just focus on Munich Okay, right. Much closer to home, much easier for them. But obviously there's the glamour, isn't there, of heading out to Eugene and being at that beautiful track that uh, you've seen so many times now. Later in the show, we will get Sonia's tip of the week. Go round the parishes to see what you've been running this weekend. And before the break, we'll also announce or talk about the next Irishman Running Abroad Challenge where maybe you get the chance to get coached directly by Sonia with me. Stick around for that. It's very, very exciting. This this week, uh, we, we'll find out what Sonia's been up to. I had a packed calendar of comedy shows in Maidenhead, Bracknell, Tunbridge Wells, and a brewery in Walthamstone, which can only be described as a hipster gig with another Irish comedian you might know, Eleanor Tiernan. I joined up my local trap club, St Albans Striders, for a session on Tuesday night, met a few listeners down there, and went for a long run on Sunday with another listener and local legend Darren Davies shout out to Darren he's a very sound Welshman who lives around the corner from me here who's changed his life through running and listening to the chats with you Sonia what did you get up to? I, think, I suppose because it's summer in Europe in, in the UK and Ireland it's a great time for people to be outdoors and um, I've been travelling around it's not as easy for me to link up with people to run with the only running I got with people this week was in the, the park run last weekend that we spoke about. Yeah. Um, in the Rock Creek Park Run. And they were all very excited to be mentioned, I think. <laughs> and I noticed Good. and I know and I noticed they got great sunshine this week. So they were yeah, loving that again. Um and then since then I've been in California and it was so grey down there. <laughs> I ran in this place. They have this thing in California where you run in like on dams or on riverbeds mm. it's like running in the it's like running in the moon and they're in the weirdest of places like they just seem to be so barren and deserted and uh, so i had a little run there which is, it's always nice i suppose to find somewhere that you can run and you don't have to cross roads and things like that so i'm always on the lookout for places to run when i have to find places to stay when we travel around and then we had so we had the track meet in um 
a beautiful stadium in Mount Sac, which is supposedly just a community college in the US. And I was asking you, what do they use the stadium for? Like, it is, it's beautiful. We, we don't have an athletic stadium like this in Ireland. Like, it is unbelievable. But then you go to the meet, and to me, it's very uninspiring. Like, it's just a big, empty stadium. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of, and the weather wasn't ideal. Like, it was a bit windy, and it looks like it's a place that's always windy. <laughs> <laughs> and it just seems strange that they would have a track meet here and the people, the athletes, like they all pay their own way to be there. They've all got to find somewhere to stay. There's about three different air- airports you can choose from. And only if you know, would you know to go to the closest one? Really? It's so it's very much like a satellite tour for athletes. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was. Yeah, I don't think there was any Irish athletes there. Not that I can think of anyway. There was a few Australians. I did. I, I didn't know there was such. And they're a, all chasing times. Yeah, so it's kind of like a challenge. Like in in tennis, there's obviously this challenger tour. We had Sam Barry, a great Irish tennis player, who played on this challenger tour on the show once, and he was explaining that you know this tour is for lads that are trying to make it onto the ATP tour. Is that this? Is that roughly what this is to people that are trying to chase times? To get that bump up. That's exactly it. And you're just trying to be noticed. And then there might be some chance that you might get into the next level up, which is the continental tour of track mates. They're all around the world. There's a load of them. And then I think, I'm not sure if the Cork City Sports is included in it this year. It would be close to it. But, you know, an event like the Cork City Sports is streets ahead of the meet I was at last week. Really? But it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like it really is. And people, they don't realize it. I said, no wonder the Americans all love coming to Cork and to Dublin for the Morton Games because, you know, they get flown in, they get picked up at the airport, they get put up somewhere and shown around and looked after. Mm. Over here, you're just on your own and it's the best that you can make of it. And there really is this kind of satellite tour for athletes who are trying to make it to, to break out. And the one way of doing it is to run fast times and you go to these meets and there's no guarantee that you're going to make fast times. There's no guarantee the weather's going to be good. So a lot of the time it can be, you know, who you know rather than Mm. who you are to to be able to get into the different meets to give yourself the opportunity to move on to the next level. God, it's a fascinating kind of underworld of athletics that this is literally the first time I've heard about it. And, And yet most of our listeners are you know, park runners who are, you know, doing it for the joy of it. But there are these people who are clearly, you know, hooked and addicted and just at that at that fine line in between, as you say, being on that bigger tour and being just some somebody with a job. Like I assume that all these athletes, you know, are holding down regular jobs. Totally no. Some of them would well some would, but many would be trying to survive on I don't know how they survive. They have bits and pieces holding them together. Mm. Um, I mean, the big thing is, if you look at, you know, parallel to that over here in the US, you have the US college system. And a lot of athletes will go through that. And athletes who don't, don't understand how much they actually get these athletes. I'm not sure they all appreciate it when they're in college because they're living the college life. But they've got these great opportunities to run races and, you know, everything is paid for. Yeah. they are looked after the whole time. Like Sophie, she told me this week, the University of Washington 
So they're going to the regionals and I think there's about 56 of them qualified. So Washington is in the far northwest of America and the West Regional is in Arkansas, which is kind of nearly in the middle of America. Mm, yeah, good <laughs> so jaunt. It, it's a long way away. Mm. So to transport all those athletes, the coaches, the physios, all their support crew, it's a huge ordeal. So they're actually chartering a flight. And oh, way. Their own plane. Going, <laughs> yeah, it's mad. Uh, and now the school is sponsored. I think the school is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. So I keep saying, is it an Alaska Airlines plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not get, I'm not getting any reply because I, I, I love Alaska Airlines. <laughs> they're great. Yeah, they, I don't know why. It's just they're they're kind of nice. Um, um, they, I should say that this is this is all very much in keeping in what we're going to talk about around these athletes as well, because these Irish athletes that we're hoping you'll get behind and lend your support to, the ones that we're going to talk about later in the show and get Sonia's tips for the season, they are all you know government funded, and. Big questions have been raised around that, Sonia, not least by you and Cahill Dennehy in your recent articles. Now, I know that you tend to write the article and move on with your life. But, you know, you did say some stuff that I I really hadn't heard before, such as, you know, the problem with the structures in Ireland is that too many athletes get carried along for too long. What does that mean? Are you saying that some athletes who show promise get funded for too long? at the expense of those that might eventually become elite? Yeah, well, there's a system now where, and and not all athletes get government funded. It takes a while for people to get onto the system. And the problem is then once you're on it or in it, you don't want to let go of it. Mm. So a lot of athletes will get funded. And there's a new system now, I understand, whereby if you get funded in an Olympic cycle, you know, if you get injured or things don't work out for you, then you can continue to have your funding for the whole four years of the Olympic cycle. Wow, while so injured. You just yeah, which, you know, when you're injured, it's when a lot of people need the support. Mm, of course. But I don't know, I think if you re if I look back to, and you know, I don't know, it's like doing this, you look back to when I was doing stuff, is that the government support, that was just a bonus. Like, it was just an extra that was there. You didn't rely on it. Um, if you were injured or if you needed to go somewhere, you needed to do something that was going to cost a lot of money. Like I was going to do it regardless of whether I had the money or not. And I think back then we didn't actually get the money. We had to spend the money first. Then you had to send in the receipts okay. and then you got paid afterwards. So in a way, it was kind of a backwards way of doing things. But it just meant that you actually had to go and do stuff for yourself before you would actually rely on other people to do it for you. So then you could kind of build up a whole kind of supply of, you know, methods and ways of doing stuff. And then the any funding that you got was just a bonus on top of it. But, you know, there was never funding like there is today. I mean, people can get $40,000 down to, I think, 25 and 18, depending on what level you're at. But then there's people getting funding because they've got to give the money somewhere. Whereas in a way, you might be better off getting that funding as a pool and putting it into a coaching system mm. where you have coaches who are experienced coaches and they know, you know, good places where athletes need to go for training. And so instead of the funding going to an individual athlete and they can do what they like with it, it goes into this pool where 
there's a training, there's a group going training and they're going to a good place. And so the training camp is paid for. Yeah. Yeah. And also and kind all, of a coaches work. athletic think tank, a, a kind of a, a group of, of elite coaches. Well, I couldn't believe what you're saying. Well, that... Just the fact that the athletes are all training together, but then there has to be a coach there looking after them or maybe two coaches. And then the two coaches can work together and collaborate because there's this fear of coaches trying to take over or trying to take athletes. And some coaches can be very protective of their athletes, mm. whereas if they were more willing and more open to share their ideas and to then also learn ideas from other coaches, then they might go forward and progress better. Like I can remember when I first went to Teddington training after 1992 Olympics and just seeing what was available there, just the parks and the closeness to the airport, the people to go for a run with, just little, very small things like that were enough to kind of give me a boost of, oh, I can use all this next year. And this is going to push me on a little bit further. Sure. And so, so and so much of the training must be based on that feeling of confidence that I have the tools. Yeah, I mean, you just you need to have be energized and being in a good a good environment and to be in a good environment. It's not good to be by yourself mm. like an athlete and a coach is never a good way to be because it's too intense and you need to be more lighthearted. It needs to, you know, you, you're, you're serious and concentrated when you need to be. But then there's a, there's a whole other 18 or 20 hours in the day that you've got to fill. And you can't be sitting around there thinking about the next session. Mm, you've got to, worrying. you know, have other things going on that helps pass the time quickly. And, you know, you're all working together. You're all in it together, supporting and encouraging each other. But the, there's got to be a method set up where athletes can fall into that when they're not at the highest level of getting funding and they get that support. Talk to Jar on 1850 715 815. Today's episode is brought to you by Elaine McHugh, an avid listener and solid runner herself, Sonia. She emailed into the show and said, I'd love an episode on Irish athletics to hear Sonia's take on the current elite athletes, who to watch this season, and if ever if she could ever see herself getting involved in Irish athletics, aside from her superb work commentating for RTE. We had two girls, she reminds us, running two minutes under two minutes for 800 in the Diamond League at the weekend. Louise Shannon, I'm sure, and Kira McGean, both going to get a mention later on. Does Sonia think the elites we have are being nurtured enough? Is the structure environment in place enough for them to be world class at, at the top of their game? I was recently very surprised to read that one of our most prominent male middle distance runners says he doesn't have a professional coach. Love the show, Elaine McHugh. That shocked me as well. But obviously it seems to be quite common. I mean, most athletes in Ireland, probably based in Ireland, have, have are coached by coaches who love the sport hmm. and they are not professional coaches. Now, you don't have to have a professional coach, but it, it, it helps if your coach has the ability to come and travel with you at times hmm. um, to training camps, to um, races, and that the coach can do it and you don't feel that he's under pressure or she's under pressure to do it. Sure. Um, that, you know, that's kind of, planned into the year ahead. It might not work for everybody. I know I, I didn't always have a coach traveling with me. I mean, my coach 
uh, in the probably late 90s into the 2000s, Alan's story, he didn't come everywhere with me. And and I was quite happy with that. <laughs> you know, it, it was he was really good at coaching me from afar. And this was before email. Like we were working on the fax machine and oh, really? telephone. <laughs> Literally <laughs> faxes printing out with with the uh, oh, yeah. with the training sessions on them. Yeah, and I mean I just think yeah, I still have copies of the training and the handwritten stuff. And you know, it was like getting a letter, you know, and because it, it would have little notes in there as well. And you kind of, I would just love it. And I think, oh, this is great. You know, my whole week is planned out. And then another time you might just get a phone call to say, oh, listen, today's session is this because he's calling it, you know, mm. nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning when you're about to head out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't very professional, but I, I, he never missed a session. Like he never missed giving me a session. A bit like me and you. You know, that's probably why I'm on the system that I have. Yes. It's sometimes. Sometimes and, it and isn't it a, a printed out week. It's just you that know, little sometimes text. You're calling me up and you're saying, uh, "What am I doing for training tomorrow?" <laughs> and I would used to do the same thing with Alan when I was in Australia. And the problem is the time difference is what kind of catches you out every now and then. Hmm. Um, but you know, I think I was at a point where. I kind of knew what to do anyway. Like the actual sessions, no, because that's what you really want to be told what to do. Um, the, the, the important sessions in the week. But the days in between, they were always, you know, you fill in the gaps and you would do that based on how you feel. Hmm. Um, and, you know, what I suppose what you had on that day, the weather, you know, different things would influence what you might do on the in-between days. But the import, the key sessions were the ones that didn't want to have to make that up yourself. Yes. Because you could probably, you'd probably, you'd more likely than not do too much than too little. Well, uh, so uh, it's, it was always good to have the guidance on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've so many questions to ask around that. And I think that an awful lot of uh, what you've said there, people will have questions too, because I think we're all learning to read our body's signs a bit better. And as you say, those in between days, everybody knows they've got their long run on Sunday and their session during the week. <laughs> But learning to read those in between days, especially as the years advance, I think is so much of the skill that can only be learned through trial and error. Now, the next challenge that we're going to set ourselves here on the podcast is what I want to talk to you about after we go round the parishes, Sonia. After last week, Sonia, and the jean shorts gate, you you may remember that if you were listening last yeah. week. <laughs> Helen Carr was in touch <laughs> to say that, uh, well, obviously, I should say the backstory is I saw a man running a park run in an actual pair of nut hugger jean shorts. Helen gets in touch to say she has found the shorts that you mentioned, Sonia. They are boa shorts <laughs> that are high tech running shorts that look like jean shorts. They are £50 a pop. So if a listener wants to buy me a pair of those in a size large, I promise I will wear them at the next Irishman running abroad meetup. But I am not spending 50 quid on a pair of running shorts that look like a ridiculous pair of shorts. <laughs> shout out to Helen for getting in touch. And also shout out to Helen's husband, who I meant to give a shout out to in January. So I think I mentioned this to you. Owen Fegan is her husband and he completed his goal to run 
every park run in Ireland back in January. He did it. He did every single park run in the country. How, how many are? How many are there? I mean, I, I, I he, she doesn't say that in, in the email, but I, I wonder mean, is there one in every county? There, there might. I'm sure there is at this point, but a colossal amount of traveling for Owen. Yeah, let us know, Helen, or whoever, anyone involved in park run organisationally in Ireland. How many are there? What does that even look like? But I think Owen should get an Irishman running abroad singlet or something uh, to mark that achievement. It's a it's a monster achievement. What runs stood out for you in the Irishman running abroad Strava group, Sonia? Um, I have a couple here. I have a fella, he's called Seamus. I think it's Piron. I was reading this without my glasses on, so I couldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, and he's actually it appears he lives in Bermuda. Oh, wow. And uh, you know me, I love maps and I love water. So this stood out to me when I was looking through the Strava yesterday. And he runs this run that kind of, it looks like it must cross a few bridges and it's all along the coast and it looks like he's practically running on the water. And he ran 12.8 kilometers in just over an hour. But the thing that stands out there also is that in Bermuda, as much as it's probably a lovely sunshine and, you know, nice by the sea there, is the humidity in Bermuda, in Bermuda is 80% regularly, what? maybe all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine like the how hard that is to run. Yeah. And I was actually re I was reading something about this and I thought it'd be interesting for some of the listeners who, you know, particularly in the summertime, they may find themselves in places where the humidity is pretty high, even in Ireland. Um, in London, the humidity can be pretty high in the summertime and it's quite hard to run and you know it's humid if you're sweating a lot when you're running. But the thing to remember is when you're running in those conditions, you can slow down a little bit. But also the benefit is like training at altitude, like it's hard work. So you're working harder doing the same thing. Mm, so yeah. you have to, if you can, if you can get it into your head that you're actually doing what you normally do, you're training harder, so you're getting fitter, um, then you can kind of rationalize that I can tolerate this humidity a bit better because then when I go somewhere, when it's not so humid, like Ireland probably, <laughs> or um, you know, later in the year when I have a race and it's a little bit cooler, I will be actually feeling a lot better for it. And you do notice this if you're in a humid place and humidity goes away or you go somewhere, you actually feel like you can breathe again and you can run much better. So, yeah, shout out to Seamus, and uh, I hope he gets a chance to run outside of Bermuda at some stage. Yeah. I did notice he went somewhere else. He does travel a bit, so he probably does get to run in less humid conditions and probably appreciates that very much. And then I had one more in, <laughs> sorry, in um, Greystones in County Wicklow, Carl Bourne. He ran 20 kilometres around Greystones and to Brayhead, and it looks like he went along that really nice coastal trail there. Oh, yeah. I'd but love to give that a go when I get back. Uh, it's lovely. It, and he had some beautiful pictures, actually. The blue sky, the blue sea. It was just it looked fantastic. But he was in search of the old cable car, which I found was interesting. So there must have been some cable car there. And I didn't go and look it up. I need to do that now and read about it. But... There was the remains of an old cable car somewhere along the coast there. Um, wow. And he found it. So he's obviously been to look for it before. 
and didn't find it. And he went 20 kilometers in search of this cable car and found it. Oh, I love a project run. Uh, that's always good. Um, I mean, congratulations to him. That's uh, the Greystones run is where I want to go. I really there's a few runs that I'm dying to do when I get back to Ireland. And I don't... did you know if you if you do that run, you can actually if you start in Bray, you can run to Greystones and then you can stop into the Happy Pear Cafe. I mean, and you can have a coffee yeah. and then you can eat a rum back or you can get the dart back. I mean, this is sounds like an Irishman abroad meetup run for the summer, Sonia. I don't know if we can tempt you over for it, but it does sound like if we booked in a date, we could get a few heads to do that and we might even get the two lads to run it with us. Uh, if you yeah, that would be amazing <laughs> to do something. That would be, I mean, we might have to get up really early in the morning. Do and go the for swim, swim first. Well. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's sounding like a holiday more than just a run. We have to give a shout out to Noel Carr, who at the John Buckley 5K cracked 20. I mean, Noel Carr is an avid listener, avid runner of this show, huge supporter, ran the Cove 10, followed along with the Breaking 20 challenge back in January and really had himself to the point of really nearly breaking it. And then the dreaded COVID arrived, scuppered all his plans. But here he was uh, on May 17th, running that 5K at an average pace of 3.58, bang on target uh, and clocked a time in 19.50. And he really puts it down, uh, Sonia, to the easy running, which is so, so funny to see the actual evidence of this. If you don't believe us now, go and follow Noel Carr on Strava and understand that this man couldn't run fast <laughs> until he fully grasped the running slow, the running real easy on those easy days. Uh, Trevor Cummins was there at the time, so he can vouch for this man and say what a performance he put in. He even put a little post in the group. But wasn't that great to see, Sonia? Oh, it was fabulous. I mean, I think for people to, you know, break through what seems like a barrier, it's, it's such a relief to do it. And the excitement you feel, and then all of a sudden it, it's easy. You feel like you can. You're always touching that barrier from then on, which what you thought was really hard. Like even yourself, I mean, when you do the park run now, you're you're in the twenty, the low twenties regularly. Yeah, yeah. Without is. without even trying, you know, that's kind of your new normal. Yeah, it is. A, it's a great place to be. So congratulations to you, Noel. My final shout out goes to David Whitney. People may remember as. Uh, one of my pacers for that uh, Breaking 20 event. Uh, David ran the uh, Hackney Half on the weekend and then went to the Cannes Film Festival where he has a film that evening. So he ran the Hackney Half in a great time uh, and a great pace of 4.55 and then jumped on the Eurostar and made his way down to Cannes. So fair play to David uh, Whitney on doing that. A really extraordinary day to squeeze it all in. We really uh, that's it for around the parishes. Right. Well, let's we need to get on to recommending some of these athletes. Now, I think Tom Barr would have to be one that I wanted to ask you about because Tom Barr, of course, finished third in the Diamond League in Doha. People probably saw that on the sports headlines. Uh, he's a very interesting fella who went to the Olympics, of course, last year. You may have seen him in the Road to Tokyo RTE documentary. Our episode with him can be found in the archive where you can hear his full story. But miraculously, again, not to keep banging on about the, the funding, Sonia, but this lad isn't even in the top tier of funding. Yeah, but Thomas Barr, he's Mr. Reliable, you know, and he has been in the top tier of funding in 
recent times, but not this year. Now, the reason for that is probably because, like, Thomas Barry has been around for a long time mm. and he's been performing very well for a long time. And he's really Mr. Reliable. Mm. But maybe it's been viewed that he's slipping a little bit from that kind of podium potential, very which tough. is what the top tier of which is what the top tier of funding does. So, you know, when an athlete like Tom Barr, this happens to him, he, he's then got a point to prove. So he could possibly have his best year ever this year because yeah. he's kind of thinking, hang on a second, just because I've been around for a while and I've been performing at a high level for a while, that doesn't mean I'm actually getting worse. <laughs> Yeah. I'm still working hard. I'm still going out there and going to put in the performance. That thing with Thomas Farris, he's in a very niche event, the 400 hurdles. There's only so many people in the world can do this. It's a difficult event. And if you're up there in that kind of top eight, which he typically is on, you know, any given day. Now, when he goes to the world championships, everybody turns up. So then there's probably there's a few more than your regular top eight at the Diamond League. And he's, if he's ready and available to go to Diamond League, then, you know, he's not just making up the numbers there. Mm. He's going out there and he's regularly in the top three. But I think sometimes that's not held in highest, as high esteem as going to the World Championships because that's where, I suppose, we're watching it on TV and you're getting the support for Thomas Barr. It's not out of the question that he wouldn't get a medal at the European Championships this year in Munich, I think. And that's, that's one of the things, you know, for him to consider is does he go to, if he goes to Oregon, he's got to be realistic about his ambitions and and satisfied with that and not wear himself out by getting involved in things like the 4x4 relay and then coming back to Europe and having to build himself back up again for the European Championships. I think everything he does has to be zoned in on winning a medal at the European Championships. Great. So that's Tom Barr. Now, Sonia, I'll let you lead off with the next person you think people should watch out for. Okay. well, there's obviously one standout this year is Rashida Adelaki. She goes to University of Texas um, in she's been running in America at all the college meets so far and breaking Irish records left, right and center, like every distance up to 400 meters. Like just last week, she ran 50.7 for 400 meters. Now, that would be, I suppose, the standout for me. It's probably the, the time I would understand the most. I remember when Joanne Cudder, he ran 50.73. And, you know, it was thought that she was going to go on to amazing things. Um, but she had a few injury issues and she never really was able to, I suppose, fulfill her potential that that 50.73 showed. But Rashida is... Only 19 years old still. What? She's got a long way to go. She's only 19. Yep. I didn't realise. She's still she's a teenager. And she's the fastest Irish oh, woman yeah. over 60, 200, 300 and 400. Now, there'll be a lot expected of Rashida. And, you know, there's so many opportunities for her this year. And again, she will have to make some smart decisions or her coach will. And I believe her coach at the University of Texas is very a very quite smart and I don't think he will overrace her. I've already noticed that for the NCAA championships she's only down for the 200 meters. There's no doubt that she will be running some relays for the University of Texas but individually you know she's just in the 200 meters at the regionals which take place this weekend and then 
after the NCAA championships in June, I mean, if she stays in the US, then I suppose she would run in the world championships. But again, she's currently ranked number one at 400 meters in Europe. So that may be where she needs to focus on mm. to, you know, have a little bit of a break after the college season, reset and refocus on the European championships. Maybe this is an opportunity for the Irish team to focus on the 4x4 relay at the World Championships. Forget about the individual events, you know, Phil Healy, Rashida, Sophie Becker, any of these people who qualify for individual events at the World Championships should put that aside for the European Championships. And this is the opportunity for them to try and get into a world final and with the help of Rashida and Phil Healy not being tired out from doing individual events and, and use and then go to the European Championships for the individual events. Wouldn't that be amazing to see an Irish uh, a team, relay team? Like, I just find the relays so exciting and so much fun. Uh, I think that that's definitely something that could really, you know, motivate and get the Irish public behind them. I know that you as listeners to this show will be behind them. And some of you have even asked, well, where can we see athletics? It's so hard to find places to see it. I'm going to give a detailed breakdown in the episode notes that accompany this show uh, as a Patreon exclusive. We get episode notes from Sonia uh, with more detail, more tips and extra information on what we've discussed over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. We'll get, get more of Sonia's recommendations on who to watch this season in the second half of the show. That's the place to hear it. The Irishman Abroad podcast can't go on any longer. It's that simple. This show can't continue without your support on Patreon. That's how it's going to work for us from this day forward. So I'd love if you came over and supported what we do. Uh, and in return, I'll give you all of the access to all of our episodes going right back to 2013 and full access to every big episode that we have in the future. And we've got a lot of big ones loaded up. Before we go, Sonia, one final shout out. You may remember Evelyn Barrett last week who uh, was in touch. Uh, she she had a shout out that I completely forgot. It's for her husband, Shane Scanlon, who ran the Manchester Marathon in April at a time of 3.21.29. But get this, he built himself his own plan, stuck with it and got his time down from 3.56 in Dublin in 2019. It's an incredible drop. He also dropped uh, a ridiculous, he was 112 kilograms down to 88.5. Huge shout out to Shane and uh, his ultrasound wife, Evelyn, for dropping in this. Uh, I hope he doesn't career off the road when he hears this shout out. <laughs> but uh, Sonia, what a, what a turnaround there for Shane. Yeah, it's amazing what people can do when they, you know, make their mind up to do something and, you know, set themselves up that I'm going to do this, I'm going to stick to it and uh, make a plan and really go after it. And mm. it's just, you know, the inspiration that other people need, I think, to see stuff like this when someone, you know, decides to make a change and then really goes after it. Yeah, there you have it, Shane. Sonia O'Sullivan said that you're an inspiration to others. If that isn't good enough for you, I don't know what is. Come on over here the second half of this show and hear what the next challenge is for the Irishman running abroad and our listeners over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. <laughs>